Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to those who are joining us online as well. Last week, we began our new sermon series, The Following Questions, questions that we ask ourselves as we seek to grow in following Jesus with the question, who do you come from? And we were reminded that we have a shared family history as the people of God, that no matter what our own personal, ethnic, cultural, or family histories, in Christ, we have all been adopted into one spiritual story, the story of God at work in his people. And as people of the story, we are shaped by a spiritual legacy that speaks to our past, our present, and our future in Jesus Christ. And our following question today might seem pretty similar to that one, but it takes things a step further because it's asking, who is on your team today, right now? And if last week was about what makes us who we are, what grounds our identity, this week's question is about how we recognize and how we move forward together in what Jesus is doing in us and through us now. But notice the question is, who is on your team, not who are your people? Because if left to human nature, those two questions might lead to two very different answers. Because if I would ask you, who are your people, what comes, comes to mind for you? I'm going to bet it's your inner circle of family and friends, those people who are most likely most like you. And that's just plain human nature. It's just easier for us to relate to people who are most like us. We don't have to try so hard to try to understand where they're coming from or their humor or their interests. We fall in easily with them. And often our people are those people who in this particular season of life really get us, who naturally understand our joys and our struggles. Left to human nature, we will always quickly divide into those kind of segmented tribes. And we can try to swim against the stream in this to look for our people to be people who have a diverse collection of outlooks and perspectives. But when that does happen, it's usually because there is one thing that all of you have in common that unites you in a purpose that's greater than all of your differences. And that's why the discipleship question today is not who are your people, but who is on your team Because every team is put together by someone, a coach, a manager, a director, for a purpose. And to accomplish that purpose, every team needs to be made up of people with a variety of different gifts who are united to that one common purpose. To achieve a full sound, a choir needs sopranos, altos, tenors, basses. It needs melody and harmony. A football team needs both defensive and offensive players. A baseball team needs infielders and outfielders. A research team needs people who have different specialties to bring to bear on the findings that they discover as a team. On a team, if all of your players have the same strengths and weaknesses and all look at things from the exact same viewpoint, they might really feel like they get each other as a team, but their team won't actually be very strong in achieving its purpose. Unity of purpose on a team is good. But where unity only comes from uniformity, that team most likely won't be very effective as a whole. Please don't think that what I'm saying is that it's bad to have your people. Because the truth is we all need people in our lives who get us. And in fact, I think it's pretty important to find Christian friends who get you who are your people, who you can grow deeper with, who you can ask and explore the deeper, more vulnerable questions of faith together. 
Even Jesus, when he had deeper things he needed to pray about or talk through, would step away from the group with Peter, James, and John. People need people who are intentionally in their corner. And that's true in our spiritual life as well as the rest of our life. It's good to find your people who will help you grow. But as followers of Jesus, our team is more than our people. It's his people. And as the book of Revelation reveals, Jesus' team is made up of people of every race and tribe, every tongue, every nation. His team are a people brought together not because of our uniformity with each other, but through our unity in him. And when we are looking to Jesus for our hope and our purpose, we may be surprised to discover who else is looking to Jesus from the place where they're standing, a place they're from that may be vastly different from our own. And Jesus has a way of doing that, of drawing teammates into his mission in a way that's bigger than our diverse backgrounds and viewpoints. So as we look at this question, who is on your team, I want to start by exploring some questions that build into that one. As Christians, what makes us a team? What is the purpose of this team? And why does it matter that we recognize our teammates? So first question, what makes us a team? Well, in the history of the people of God, up until this point, Team Yahweh was largely a team of ethnic uniformity, the Hebrew people of the 12 tribes. And those people who joined the team were noticeable, so much so that we see their names listed and their stories told in scriptures. Naaman, the Syrian, Ruth, the Moabitess, who come to call Yahweh their God by coming to know him through the people of God. People were so used to understanding Team Yahweh as a family thing, you were either born into or not. But when people told Jesus his mother and brothers were looking for him, namely his people were here, Jesus answered in Matthew 12, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. You see, Team Jesus' membership isn't about what you've been born into. It has to do with what is born in you by faith. God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has in Jesus Christ opened the way for us to be part of God's team. Jesus made the Father known to us and calls us to join in his mission of inviting the world onto that team. So second question, what is the purpose of this team? Or what is the will of the Father? I'm going to go directly to scripture for this one. Jesus' words in John 6 says, All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. So if that's the will of the Father, to draw all people into his eternal life by looking to Jesus the Son and believing in him, what does that look like? Well, in Romans 10, it says this, starting in verse 9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. 
For there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The Lord's will is to draw you and all people into his arms of love by trusting him to be our Savior. And he alone chose to enter into death to make it a way to new life for us. So if that is the will of the Father, what's our role on this team? What part are we to play for the sake of the world as part of this mission of grace? Well, Romans continues in verse 14. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear with someone, without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. See, this mission is going to take people who can speak who Jesus is to different people effectively in every corner of the world. Grace in every corner to reach every corner. And for that, Jesus calls his people from vastly different corners of this life who need his grace and who know it. Jesus calls together his team. So next question, so why does it matter that we recognize our teammates? Well, for a team to function well, it has to be both diverse in gifting and united in purpose. It needs to respect the differences inside that make it strong while pursuing together the goal. And I think it's always been hard for us to see what Jesus sees in people who are not like us, right? People who didn't come to him through the same way we came to know him as Lord. And the original disciples had that same issue. A group of 12 disciples Jesus called to follow him did not always get each other either. They were a very diverse group. But they were all there because Jesus had called them and because they wanted more than anything to know more of Jesus. I'd like to share with you a clip from The Chosen. This is a depiction of the calling of Matthew, just to give you one filmmaker's idea of what this might have looked like for those early disciples. You see the Parthian foot races last night? Darius ran like a gazelle. Jews don't go to foot races. Your old friend Simon himself used to run the wagering tables. We're not friends. Next. Okay, fine. So you did not go to the races. You stay home? I went to see my mother. Ugh, that would put me out, too. She asked when you're going to give her grandchildren? She didn't ask. I thought your parents don't speak to you. I had questions I couldn't ask anyone else. A mother of a son with talent like yours should be proud. She's ashamed that I could use the talent that God gave me against God. Next. You're good at something. You found a way to make a living doing it. It's that simple. Must be nice to live in a world so simply ordered. We live in the same world, Matthew. Next. Besides, what else are you going to do with a mind like yours? Matthew. Matthew, son of Alphaeus. 
Yes. Follow me. Me? <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy has done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to... What are you doing? Where do you think you're going? Guys, let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away. Yes. I don't get it. You didn't get it when I chose you either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector. Get used to different. I'm glad we passed by your booth today, Matthew. Yes. Shall we? We have a celebration to prepare for. You will regret this, Matthew. What's the tablet for? I grabbed it without thinking. You can put it back. No, no, keep it. You may yet find use for it. Where are we going? A dinner party. I'm not welcome at dinner parties. Well, that's not going to be a problem tonight. You're the host. <laughs> Peter and Matthew might never have come together as friends naturally. They might never have been each other's people. But they came to see that they were both Jesus' people. And that made them teammates who used their varied gifts to help very different segments of the population come to know who Jesus is. And that he comes as Lord for all. And that message sounds different coming from Matthew than it does coming from Peter. But from both, it's just as true. So why does it matter that we recognize who is on our team? Because it points us back to who is the head of our team and what is the purpose of this team. It's about unity, not uniformity. In John 17, Jesus prayed a prayer that we as his people would be one, as he and the Father are one in the Spirit. Not that we would be the same, but that we would be unified in purpose and in love. In his high priestly prayer, Jesus prays, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known 
in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Our unity is in Christ alone. So why is it important that we know who is on our team? So that we don't make the mistake of trying to define ourselves so narrowly by our earthly tribes that we miss the beauty of being part of the greater team Jesus and its impact on the world. When I was traveling with Lutheran Youth Encounter, I traveled all over the eastern United States and five countries in West Africa to mostly different flavors of Lutheran churches. And from Togo to Cameroon, the way Lutheran churches conducted their worship was very different from each other. But the sacraments of Jesus' baptism, communion, were practiced in the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. From the church under the tree to the one in the mud hut to the one at the stained glass cathedral, the how and the what of their worship services could look very different, but the why and the who were the same. Jesus' people, my teammates. And traveling through a village in Benin, we met up with a Methodist minister who was there from Liberia planting churches. And getting to know us, a ragtag bunch of Lutherans, his departing words to us before he disappeared into the brush was, I'll see you in heaven, if not before. My teammate. Where Jesus is claimed as Lord, where the triune God is worshipped, where the gospel, the good news that we are saved through the grace of Jesus, won through his cross and resurrection, are proclaimed, there are teammates. And the strongest teams work the best when all the members of the team are not the same. Why does it matter to our discipleship that we recognize who's on our team? Because our method of engagement is meant to be different if they are on the team or not. Because if they're not on the team, beloved, they're not the opposition. They are the mission. They are the mission the team is meant to reach, to bless, and invite. How beautiful are the feet who bring good news. If you look at the book of Romans, chapter 12, we see there's a whole lot of coaching advice given to the church in that chapter. And in that coaching, we see a mix of advice for those on the team, for one another, and for those who aren't on the team. For your teammates are the one another's that you see in Romans. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another. Share with the Lord's people in need. Live in harmony with one another. Because your teammates need your encouragement, your support, your commitment to be walking this road together because Jesus has made you family, whether you have anything else in common or not. And when we live into this, the Holy Spirit begins to teach us some powerful things about what he is doing in us, in the church, in the world, through Jesus' people. We learn about the unity that comes from a Savior who sees what we need and who is the answer to that need. The disciples of Jesus are called to walk together following Jesus. But then in Romans 12, we see the instructions also seamlessly flow into how Team Jesus is meant to interact with the world in our day-to-day lives. How do we act toward those who aren't our teammates? Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. 
As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Why? Because that's what Jesus does. We love because he first loved us. His grace is a gift completely undeserved. And we know that no one is ever scolded or argued into loving the Lord. (laughs) Only love changes the heart. Love shown ultimately through the cross. You see, if you're on the team, you know you're not here due to your own performance. (laughs) You have been adopted into it. And the price to make you family has been fully paid by the Savior. Your place on this team has been secured by his work alone. Jesus makes us family. So as we look into the eyes and faces of those who are also looking to Jesus, see your family. And as you love him, love your teammates well. And then as we engage with those who are not yet on Team Jesus, our question must be, how can they speak of one of whom they haven't heard? How can they hear unless someone tells them? How can they be told unless someone is sent? How will people today come to know Jesus through us? For a world in need of knowing there is a God who loves them, who calls them into relationship and forgiveness and redemption and restoration, our calling is to be, in Jesus' name, people of grace, of peace, of compassion, of love, to love people like Jesus with the grace of Jesus until they want to know him too. So this week, as you look around to the world around you, what do you see? Where you see your teammates, encourage them to continue engaging in Jesus' mission of love for the sake of the world wherever they've been sent. And for all the rest, see those who Jesus longs to draw into his love through you. That in him, now and forever, we may be one. Let's pray. Lord, may your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Even in us, as your church, as your team today. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.